Welcome to Noclip, the podcast that's like a book club for people who don't think that books reward them enough for being good at them. I'm Chad Rowlemans. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, we're going to be talking about Metroid Dread. Metroid Dread is a game that was developed by Mercury Steam. Nintendo EPD was published by Nintendo and was released in 2021 on the Nintendo Switch. But first, if you give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. Metroid Dread is, as you have probably surmised, a Metroidvania game, being a, a an entry in the franchise that named the genre. Mm-hmm. The long-awaited sequel. This is true. It is the this is the fourth Metroid game, which is a weird thing to say because it's like the eleventh Metroid game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't actually count, but uh, if it's like Metroid, this is the fifth Metroid yeah, game. Yeah, I, I had to that's like how they announced it. it. Yeah, as they say, it went Metroid Five up on the screen. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like a the the Metroid series has numbers, but they just don't ever talk about them. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, to me, the interesting thing is, prior to playing Metroid Dread, when I thought about the 2D Metroid games, um, the my favorite one for the longest time has been Fusion, and it was really difficult for me for a long time to sort of put my finger on why that was it would go like fusion uh super metroid and then uh poor poor metroid 2 down at the bottom (laughs) Uh uh-huh uh mostly because i just never played it and uh then this game came out and i was like oh yeah metroid fusion slaps because (laughs) it is cool as shit to look at uh, and th- this game does feel like an actual sequel to Metroid Fusion in a way that I didn't, I guess, didn't get why the other games were sequels to each other. Mm-hmm. They felt very distinct and different, and this feels more like Fusion than the other games did to the other ones. Yeah, yeah. Like, in a way that was surprising to me as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I, when the X parasites started showing up towards the end, I was like, oh, shit. Oh, yeah. I remember this. <laughs> I didn't think this would come back. Um... Yeah, because I actually, I've never played Super Metroid. It's one of my gaming sins. You can punch my gamer card uh-huh. uh, for that. But, um, yeah, and I played a little bit of the first one and didn't really enjoy it because uh, it is very old. Um, but yeah, I have played Fusion, and I did like it a lot. And uh, I was able to be like, oh, yeah, I know these things, like that they're referencing, like the uh, X-Parasite and, like, the... You know, just, like, other little references to things that had happened. Um, like, the fact that Samus is, like, Metroid DNA and all the blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah, she's, like, a a weird crossbreed yeah, type she, person. She has the DNA of everything. The list keeps growing <laughs> with every... Uh, with every entry. Yeah, to the point where if you are, like, somebody who is invested in the Metroid story, one of the key differences between the Metroid... 2D timeline and the prime timeline is like just what bizarre cocktail of genetics <laughs> Samus represents mm-hmm. in each game series. Uh, I'm just used to be feeling like an outsider to this series, and I got to feel like an insider this time. <laughs> you got I've, to know stuff. I've crossed the threshold. Mm-hmm. It, it is. It's interesting to see so, like an actual direct sequel in a way that not only calls back to elements of the story but also to elements mechanically um in the form of the x parasites uh and you know 
Adam is there. I still am not super big on on the AI character, mm-hmm. um, as I wasn't really in Fusion either. Um, but it is like there is some connection uh, that is more to me palpable, and maybe it's because the games didn't release twenty years apart; they released like fifteen years apart. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, it is it, it's interesting, like. To, or maybe it's just I've played Fusion more often and also more recently. Yeah. And Nintendo, it stands out, too, because Nintendo doesn't usually do this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of their games kind of are just, like, reimaginings of the same things over again each time. Um, and this is actually, like, them trying to do, like, a continued story. Yeah, famously, sweaty nerds in their basement stress out about the Zelda timeline, Mm -hmm. and the Metroid timeline is actually pretty much rock solid in there. Yeah. There just isn't a whole lot to to really talk about. The the cool thing about Metroid is, as a Nintendo franchise, like in comparison to the other things, is with with the possible exception, depending on how generous you're feeling on a given day of Luigi's Mansion. Mm-hmm. Metroid is sort of like the horror franchise that that Nintendo has that they continually put games out for. Mm-hmm. Um and you could argue like it's also a sci-fi franchise, but it feels heavily rooted and intentionally so in the sort of alien style of th- everything is hostile and everything's a little bit unknown. Uh and getting to have a series where not a lot happens plot-wise in an individual game gives you this, like, sandbox to play with. And I think Dread does a really good job of having a little bit of a mix it, as a bit of a difference. There is a story here that has a lot of... has a lot more characters than usual. There's, like, four. Mm-hmm. There's voice acting. <laughs> voice acting in it. Uh, and they do speak in another language often, which is ends up being kind of cool. Uh, yeah, it's to the game's benefit. Yeah. Like, um, Samus herself has, like, one line, <laughs> and then the only other English is spoken in, like, an AI speak and spell voice. Right. Yeah, Adam's, uh, like, save room diatribes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't know, I just, I really fucking liked it. <laughs> Like, way more than I thought as an actual sequel uh, than just a Metroid game. Yeah, yeah, it hits a nice balance, I think. Like, they don't try and do too much. Um, it does feel like they looked a lot at, like, uh, like indie Metroidvanias in, like, kind of, like, for, like, the idea of how to do, like, the scope and, uh, like, the story and stuff. Yeah. And I think it's probably weird for anyone to open a discussion on on Metroid Dread talking about sort of like a plot centric thing. Uh so we're probably going to quickly skirt past this because right. I so strongly agree with you about them looking at indie metroidvanias. It's become it feels like they had to. They've become so popular. Yes, exactly. It 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 feels more and like Metroid games traditionally are not super long games, but this did feel very brisk. Yeah, uh, to to play through, and I really should have checked again because mm-hmm. I don't remember. Uh, but I believe my first playthrough of this game, uh, which was a one hundred percent playthrough where I got all the items, um, 
was about I think it took me eleven and a half hours uh, at the clear screen. Mm-hmm. So it took me like fucking an hour and a half to beat the final boss the first time. <laughs> yeah, it took me I think ten ish. Yeah, and my second playthrough, which was not a hundred percent, I want to say that I got like somewhere between sixty-five and seventy percent of items, mm-hmm. was seven and a half hours. So I shaved four hours off going through it the second time. So you're like. I would say average time is probably somewhere close to what you ended up with there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not a huge investment for a game like this. Uh, and one of the things I think that they really pulled from indie games is this very, like, it feels more streamlined than other Metroid games. Yeah, for sure. It, it feels very like... Um... Like, there, like, there's no fat on it. It's a lean game. It sure is. It is also a game where you can lean. And mm-hmm. by lean, I mean do a cool slide. <laughs> yeah, it almost kind of feels like they looked both at indie games and also kind of back at their own, like, roots. It, it does feel like it sits more in line with, like, a Super Metroid or a Symphony of the Night and, like, how long it is. Yeah. And I also want to call out, because I did it when we talked about Fusion in the before times. In the long, long ago, sitting in my bedroom in my parents' house, (laughs) I think. Probably. Uh, And also, I just have never forgotten, there's a sequence in Metroid Fusion where you have to just bomb some floor and a pillar rises up. And it's like the only time in the whole game that this is a mechanic. And it doesn't really signal it to you. And there is absolutely... There is no floor pillar mechanic in Dread. Mm-hmm. Everything feels very, like, firmly d- demonstrated. Yeah, like another one that's I- infamous and in that I've heard other people complain about it um, is... There's also like a save room where you there's like a bombable square in the wall that you need to like blow up to progress. And I've heard people talk about how that's kind of tainted the genre a little bit for them because they always feel like they have to hit every wall, even if it's in a room they wouldn't think they had to. Um, but so yeah, this game doesn't have stuff like that. Yeah. At least as far as I can remember, there wasn't anything that felt like bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these are the. Like, this is the Metroidvania version of pixel hunting, and I feel like indie games in the adventure game genre have done a lot to go against that sort of a design in their genre, and then indie Metroidvanias are also ones that have a tendency to make your path forward a lot more clear. So you have this, like, to me, anyway, it feels like a a give and take. The Metroid design was always sort of seen as this mysterious puzzle to crack where when you started a new metroid game you would go around and find stuff and you would have to think back in the old memory banks as to like oh now that i have this ability did i remember was there a tunnel i could have gone through now that i have morph ball or whatever Mm -hmm. and now it is more like you just pop the map open and you go, look at this marked on the map speed booster block that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. I go there now that I have it and I can figure out this next step to go forward. Yeah, I kind of wanted to compare it to Carrion, which we uh, covered on uh, over Halloween, I think, uh, yeah. not too long ago. And it felt very similar to that in that 
it, it was really smartly designed in such a way um, that you just kind of felt like you just kept moving forward and you never got lost. Mm-hmm. And they, they do it in different ways. This one, they use a lot of like one-way doors. Like you'll go through an area and then you can't go back right, right away. So you have to like keep moving in like the direction you're going. Um, in a way that it's, I think, you don't really notice while you play. It's like an invisible design or whatever. Um, but it's it's probably really impressive if you looked at it and like watched other people play it and like look at all like the player psychology that probably went into it and blah blah blah. Well, it's interesting because like it's impressive to me just because when you compare it to something like analogous to it, uh, when you walk into a room with a bow and arrow in it in a Zelda dungeon, and then you have to turn around and shoot an eyeball, it's really obvious to the player what is happening mm-hmm. you get the thing you're like it's not like you go oh thank god i found that bow otherwise i would have been stuck in here like you know that that is placed there so that you use the bow so you understand the mechanics of it mm-hmm. uh and that's good that is good design in in the buckets of bad design good design mm-hmm. both of these things fall in good design yeah but that's just obvious design yeah when you slide under the little precipice and it goes down onto a ledge before you have the morph ball in Metroid Dread, you don't think about it. You go, there's a door right in front of me, I'm going to go through the door, and then you just run around mm-hmm. for a long time. And it doesn't become obvious that it was a a path-blocking thing until well after you do, like, yeah. finally are able to go back through it. And it's interesting because this game also has examples of that bow in the room <laughs> right design where you'll go into like the space jump room and the exit's high up and so you gotta use the space jump to get out so that's in your mind but then you're what you're not thinking about is how the game is guiding you to the actual ending here's what i want to know uh-huh overall and i know what your answer is gonna be this is a rhetorical question sure. just, just get the juices flowing and for everybody out in the audience uh, to prompt a little bit of thought. Uh-huh. How do you feel about this design when you compare it to things like, we'll say, Symphony of the Night or uh, Fusion? Like, games where it is a little bit more of a search, like, it, it, to find your way around. Um, I, I, I thought that this felt like a, like a nice middle ground between those two things, that specifically that you mentioned. Because mm-hmm. um, Fusion is a lot more linear... It's just like you go, it's like the world's laid out in like a line and there's like these little the elevators, elevators that go down to each biome and it, it pretty explicitly tells you where to go next and stuff. Um, so in, this felt like it was like kind of doing a similar thing, but designed in like a much smarter way that did also crisscross the areas and stuff. Like um, this had like a classic uh, Dark Souls moment where I was going around at the beginning of the game and it takes you on like a big circle around and you come back to the initial area. And I was like, oh, cool. Right. I yeah. remember this with like the thing in the background and the water and all that. I didn't even realize the game had like brought me back to this spot. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think it it um it does section off the areas and they're connected by elevators. But the way that they're like the path through like the to progress is a lot more interesting and, and, and well done. Um, in a way that's different than like a more classic Metroidvania as well. Like there's less, um, it's just like more, yeah, like streamlined design, I think. Like there's nothing that you have to like 
or this is not nothing, but it's rare that you have to like run around and be like, oh God, where's like that one spot that I need to progress? Like, I feel like I might remember where something is. I'll go check that out uh, and waste a bunch of time. Uh, it, it, it's that stuff's mainly reserved for like secrets yeah. in this and like progressions made a lot more smooth. I, I feel like they're definitely like kind of gotten to the point where they've really ironed out a lot of the wrinkles and I don't know if purists would not like that so much, but I liked it a lot. Yeah, I am. I had an evolution of of self when, especially <laughs> when playing through this game the second time. Because another thing that I did when I played through it a second time, knowing knowing that I just had the opportunity to try, was I went out of my way to do some like the more popular or like well-known sequence breaks i got uh the morph ball bomb before i got to crade so i could do the little cutscene thing um and it's cute to do that but the result is after you get morph ball and kill crade you go where the fuck am i supposed to go now because the path forward it takes you in a round and about sort of way, because you end up skipping about two or three upgrades, uh, kind of back to what you've already done. So it, I got lost, and mm-hmm. it was a weird feeling, and one that I didn't enjoy. I felt like, oh man, I'm fucking so... I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like going through fucking teleporters. I'm like, is this right? Should I be able to do... Is this where they want me to go? Did I need to use an ability to get here that I'm not remembering? Etc. Etc. And I was cast into doubt. And so prior to playing through the game the second time, I was thinking my philosophy of the game is they made the navigation easier because most people don't connect with that sort of a challenge on the level that they do other kinds. And so their compensation was by making the combat a lot more dynamic and harder. Um, but after replaying it, I think I kind of now fall into that exact same category. It may be me being older. It may mm-hmm. also be the game not really being designed to be sequence broken. Yeah, yeah. You had different expectations for it. Yeah, and so I ended up enjoying that part of the game a lot less when I wasn't following the prescribed path. Mm-hmm. So I also like it, and I also see a very valid sort of response um I haven't personally heard this from anyone, but I imagine that there are people who play this game and go, they made it... Too easy. Yeah, it's not like a Metroidvania anymore. It's like a whatever. It's a Dark Souls game. (laughs) (laughs) They probably did say that, but that isn't... Someone said that. That isn't what they meant, I'm sure. Uh Uh-huh. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's, That's... Yeah, I just I thought it was a like a per, kind of a perfect middle ground at least for for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of that combat, um, what did you think of it? Uh, I so I talked about this. I think I didn't go back and re-listen. I don't know if I talked about it or if my brain was thinking about it while we were recording, but. Uh, when we played Carrion, one of the things we're gonna keep talking about Carrion for some reason, and by it's pretty obvious reason. Uh-huh. Uh One of the things that I mentioned on the the Carrion episode was that it 
felt like my hands were not didn't have enough fingers on them <laughs> to play the game as they were asking me to. Um, and then I played Metroid Dread like middle of my playthrough of Carrion, and I was like, oh, oh, never mind. This game is the one where I have not enough fingers. Uh, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of dexterity required to play this game. And it took me a little bit, to put it in a generous way to me, to get used to it. Once I did, this feels insanely good. Um, I don't think that people would disagree with me, even if you aren't a big fan of this game, to say that this is probably the best combat has ever been in a Metroid game. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is. It's, it is very complicated, to get your head around um, because there's a lot of movement tech and like fucking switch it miss like there's to do certain actions you have to input like four discrete buttons at once mm -hmm. and it is it's a lot to keep in mind yeah to me like i i never really had a problem with it in like regular gameplay like fighting regular enemies i never found to be too bad um, although they do get a little tricky, I thought the, um, the, uh, parry move would make everything way too easy, Yeah. but they do play with the timing just enough to make it like challenging. Um, but it, the part where it stood out to me was with the boss fights, like the boss fights, I think are so much more demanding of your skill with the buttons, Yeah. um, that they are really hard. And I think, um, like a lot of people have talked about that. Uh, how the game is really difficult. And I think that's the reason why, or at least it was for me. It's like, I felt like I knew what I was doing. And then I got into the boss fight and I was like, Oh God, <laughs> like I'm not nearly skilled enough with these controls. <laughs> yeah. I'm woefully underprepared for this. Yeah. Uh, I think honestly, that is both like the thing that you are saying and the thing that I'm saying congeal into, I thought the hardest boss in this game was Kraid, mm. uh, who is like, the second boss. Yeah. And it's like a combination of it being a difficulty rise from the <laughs> the snake man. The yeah. Like the, the, the cool, like, saber-tooth chimera thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to know the names of most of these bosses. No. Crate uh, is a rare exception. Um, it is an appropriate rise in difficulty, but I had not wrapped my head around how to play the game properly yet mm -hmm. uh and it was fun like going back the second time obviously i went through the second phase the easy way mm -hmm. this time but uh going back and being like crazy not that bad really yeah like, when you really get down to brass tacks um but my first playthrough i was like i don't even i didn't even like the crate fight i thought it was like frustrating and kind of like overly bullet hell-y. Mm -hmm. uh, and then going back, it just it, it felt like nothing in comparison. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's really... The bosses are really hard because they ask you to do a lot of things simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like I got like I don't there was like a hill in the middle of the game that I kind of got over where I got a lot better at what I was doing mm -hmm. with the combat, and part of that's upgrades. And I think part of it's just getting used to it. But, like, I, even up to the end of the game, like, I'm still bad at switching between, like, running and gutting and then the stop and aim and shoot. Oh, right, like, yeah. it's really hard for me to switch between them for some reason. Well, yeah, and that's to the, of... to the part where I wouldn't do it if I could avoid it. Like, I would just, like, jump up and shoot yeah. instead of, like, stopping and aiming. 
more of the Castlevania style than yeah. the Metroid style there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know what it is about it. Well, it's what I'm. It's what I was talking about. Where you're like, in order to, if you want to stop in place, aim a missile and shoot it, you have to hold L, R. And then move the the control stick and press a button. So you literally are doing four discrete actions to to do this one thing, Mm -hmm. which you might have to do a hundred times in one fight, Mm -hmm. like not exaggerating. Yeah, there is this one fight around the time when you fight Crane. It's like this underwater, like jellyfish thing i don't even remember what it is exactly the yeah. sh- like gave me a lot of trouble because mm-hmm. you have to like sh- shoot it a bunch and then turn around and like shoot a thing to like lower the water level and then like grapple beam up and go over top of it and like blah 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 it was just like a whole bunch of things <laughs> i was like uh <laughs> yeah i was i had an attack of my unobservant a, a behavior and didn't realize that I had to shoot the switch on the wall next mm-hmm. to me when I came in. So I lost my first attempt at that boss literally just to when he went down, I just tried to take the yeah. grapple beam and would it slowly starts moving and then he like gets back up and knocks you back down on the mm-hmm. left side. No, it took me a few attempts as well to like figure out what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're if you're watching on YouTube, you had to see me fight it like ten times. Oh, sick! Um, so look forward <laughs> to that. Uh, but yeah, that is. I think that's it. In in a weird way, it's also kind of a strength of the game. Yeah, it, no, it feels that really. That is that complicated. Yeah, it feels really good. I think in like moment to moment gameplay, once you get the hang of it, like just running around. And like fighting regular enemies, mm-hmm. it's yeah, like this. The boss fights can be kind of like mind bending sometimes, yeah, or finger bending. <laughs> it's the the last fifth. Uh, I, don't, uh, I don't know enough about the Avatar. element of yeah, the, Avatar. Yeah, a finger bender. Uh, <laughs> but it is a yeah. It's a it's a it's a complicated system. It's really fun once you get it down. And on the second playthrough. Uh, my favorite boss in the game. I don't know if we want to dedicate any time to bosses like as a standalone thing. Mm-hmm. If we do, we could probably just do it now. But sure. my favorite boss when playing through the game the first time was uh, I know it's called like Experiment Z something in like numbers Z ninety eight. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, and it's the big guy who <laughs> is in the. Uh, like the lava area. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's like blocking up uh the the lava flow, so making everything cold. So you show up and he's just like he's like a weird mix of a regular Metroid boss and a bullet hell boss and like a rhythm game where you have to jump over uh stuff while mm-hmm. wind flies. And I just found it really enjoyable. There's a lot of variety to it. Uh and the boss looks super cool and was a big monster, which is my favorite kind of boss. Mm-hmm. Um and then on my second playthrough, it was, again, my favorite boss in the game because it just is so many things. But when you're good at it, it also feels like that like Hotline Miami feeling where because there's so much coming at you at once, you, but you just fucking remember it. You just like are doing these dodges and you're like getting maximal damage where I'm like 
you should stop shooting. I'm jumping and shooting missiles at the same time. And it just feels really good to do. And also, the boss doesn't have three phases and a fucking six-mile-long health bar, mm-hmm. um, which would be my main complaint about the final boss. I, and I felt like, and I might have to play it again, but it felt like uh, Experiment Z, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, it had more health to me, but I might be wrong. Um, but yeah, it's one of those bosses that... Um, you have to learn everything about it to beat it. Yeah. So when you do finally beat it, you do it with like out taking that much damage. And that does usually feel pretty good. Yeah. And the complicated combat system fucking helps with that stuff a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, dishonorable mention though, to the bug the he's just kind of a regular bug who mm. flies and has electric around oh, him. Oh, okay, yeah, I kind of remember that. Yeah, that boss is dumb. I, I <laughs> It doesn't feel like a boss, like there's no lead-up to it, though it does have a boss door. Uh, and it is just absurdly hard for seemingly no reason, or maybe the reason is I was bad when I played it the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> little column A, little column B, yeah, a little bit for sure. Uh, but then I got to introduce him to column C, which was <laughs> the fucking uh, shine spark on my second mm. playthrough, and he died in one hit. So that was pretty rad. I liked I liked it better when I didn't fight him. <laughs> yeah, I actually think that the final boss is my favorite boss personally. Totally fair. Um. He felt really satisfying to do. Like I feel like the um, the space jump or like the screw attack, whatever you call it, um, feels really good to use. Mm-hmm. And like there's parts where you just have to kind of like infinitely jump around him to avoid attacks. And like I don't know, it just feels really satisfying to execute. Yeah, I uh, I actually would say that Ravenbeak, uh, Ravenbeak. a name I remember. Hey, I I forgot it, but <laughs> I don't know how. Uh, is probably my second favorite boss. Yeah. Uh, I just hate when a boss has three phases. Sure. It's just too much, too <laughs> many phases. It, it was a very long fight in a way that, and you knew because you were playing a Metroid game that there was going to be a bit after it. Yeah. So you end up like going through the fight and then being like, oh, gotta wait, gotta get sit through cutscene and then I'm gonna have to do something else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was a little bit frustrated with him the first time through. And then the second time through the game, I beat him on my first try, I think, which is a weird dichotomy. I don't think mm-hmm. a single other boss was that much of a change, except for the aforementioned dead bug. Right. Uh, but yeah, Ravenbeak really is a really fun fight. It feels like it's a fight that actually you get to use a lot of your abilities on mm-hmm. him. Uh and it's just kind of sick. It's uh, it's got the sound design. I think is really strong when he hits you. It's got that like uh, when you get a fucking neutral air from Ganondorf to the face in Smash mm-hmm. Brothers, where it really feels like he's just pummeling you into non-existence. Yeah, lots of screen shake and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's and a you really like hit the wall fight. too. But yeah, that adds to the feeling of it. Oh yeah, it's got that. Uh, there's a word for this, like the time stop where he hits you and nothing mm, happens and then the you ex- just yeah. hit the wall. Um, yeah, it's like in, um, I don't think you've seen it, but in uh, Man of Steel. No, I have not. Like when it. Superman punches somebody, it's just like that same effect. 
Mm-hmm. It's like where he hits them and then they go, <laughs> like fucking time dilation or whatever <laughs> on the punch. And when your final boss is being compared to being punched by, <laughs> by Superman, Superman, that seems like a good thing. That seems good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I, I really liked it. If there's anything going against it, there are two things going against it in my mind. Mm-hmm. The more legitimate complaint is the boss arena is kind of boring. It's just a big square. Just a big, I kind of appreciated that, though. Sure, I, I would appreciate that for, like, a complicated fight like this. Is. Mm-hmm. You needed room to jump around him. <laughs> but it is a final boss. Like, you mm-hmm. want some kind of, like, opulence. Uh, and then the other thing is he's just not a big monster. He's, like, uh-huh. a more normal-sized bird, <laughs> birdman. Uh-huh. Uh, and I like a big monster fight. Mm-hmm. It's just a personal preference of mine. Uh, so you're somebody who's played other more Metroid than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's Kraid doing here? Uh, that's a good question. I feel like maybe there's a reason, but well, the question is, is it Kraid proper? Exactly, right? or is like Kraid or Kraids a thing? Yeah, like are there more Kraids? Kraid like the Hut. Yes. That would be the terrifying response and probably the one that they should go with. Mm-hmm. I would say the argument that he either Kraid as a species is just a very hostile, which makes sense. If you're a, a, a monster, a, like a giant monster who shoots toenails out of his gut, mm-hmm. uh, I would be angry at everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair. But if it is Kraid the Kraid. It makes more sense that he would, like, see Samus and then also get angry and, like, try to kill her. Mm-hmm. I think it would be interesting to answer the... An interesting way to answer the question is if you could get there without the Varia suit, if Kraid didn't recognize you. It's like, what's this white suit you're wearing? Mm-hmm. It's not the orange I'm familiar with. Uh, but that's that's stupid and pointless i don't i don't know uh-huh. i don't follow enough to know why Craid would be there or if it is the same Craid. Mm-hmm. um i liked Craid's inclusion over ridley yeah here. i was glad that ridley wasn't in this mm-hmm. as much as i love ridley obviously yeah. uh, well ridley what was dead in fusion he was in the in the cryogenic lab yeah and then there's like an ex-parasite version of him and then, yeah, so he's, like, dead for good, I would think, in this timeline. For good. Yeah. Uh, it hasn't stopped him before. Quotes. Wait until he becomes yeah. a robot. That's again. the prime timeline. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just, to go to go back to a thing, and this is, like, just kind of a nitpick, really. Uh, we mentioned earlier, it's, like, those kind of Nintendo elements where they reuse the same stuff in every game feels, like, lampshaded in this. Because it's yeah. also, like, a continued story. It's, like... The Chozo really go like have settlements on every planet ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think like one of the uh, the weaker parts of the Metroid story, a story I'm not that familiar with, mm-hmm. and if you are, maybe this isn't one of the weaker parts. Uh, is I think it's a mistake that the Chozo were ever introduced as like living beings. Mm-hmm. I really like them as an ancient civilization. And then when they, because like the ones in this are like, there's some Chozo and then they're Mockin, which I don't know if they're a separate species. I assume they were like descendants. Yeah. Like maybe. An evolution. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, So I don't, I don't 
I don't like that you go there and there's just like a like a record of what's going on written by Chezo. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always really love them as like a background element. And I don't know. There's it final just, boss, Big Bird Man. It, it just it just feels weird to me in this series that it has more focus on story that it's always like the same <laughs> ancient race uh on every planet. Yeah. It is odd. Maybe they brought maybe the Chozo are big crade fans. Maybe. Yeah, and they uh they clone him. Yeah, they cloned him where they airlifted him from <laughs> Brinstar. <laughs> uh <laughs> That's just a good image. I like to imagine the Kraid like Apocalypse, since we're talking about Superman, mm-hmm. is just a, a an entity made of pure rage, and you could literally fly him through space on like a weird crane and drag him to a different planet. They stuff him in an escape pod. Yeah, <laughs> shoot him off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they shoot out, out of. It's like the toenails shot out. That's of why his, his limbs gun. are so small. That, yeah, so he can stopped in, in the pod. Um, but that probably isn't it. Does that answer your question? Uh, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, God, are there any other bosses you want to to shout out? No, I don't think so. I I thought that initial boss, the the weird snake-tailed chimera thing, was pretty cool. Um, and I kept thinking, is that blood on the ground uh, in the arena? It's just like red liquid. Uh, uh, yeah. So I just kept thinking, is that blood? Which gave him some some menace, I guess. Uh, one thing I want to shout out, using that boss as kind of a springboard for it, is... Um, so there's a, a mechanic in this game. There's a couple of mechanics in this game, as it turns out. Mm. Uh, your main ways of dealing damage to things are shoot lasers, shoot missiles, and shoot charge shots. Mm-hmm. The, and, like, your missiles get upgraded, and you can't turn things off in this game, so there's no, like, weird puzzles where it's like, this has to be an ice missile, and this one has to mm-hmm. be a super missile. Which is fine to me. I don't really get bothered by that, but, like, some people like to do challenge runs and stuff and whatever. Um, but that boss has... Uh, a weak spot and some uh, I think most if not all bosses yeah where you you can hit it with regular lasers and not just missiles and it will still do damage to it Uh, and this game brings back a tried and true Metroid mechanic that you just shoot missiles as fast as you can mash on that button and man does that hurt a lot I, I love like, in most situations, I will prefer to shoot a million lasers as fast as I can push a button mm-hmm. than shoot a missile. And I don't know why, because missiles are at their least scarce in Metroid Dread. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get missiles pretty much at will by just, like, parrying a random, like, a mosquito that'll show up and try and bite Samus. And you're like, oh, get out of here. And mm-hmm. when you, like wave your hand to shoo the mosquito away. It'll enter a parry animation. <laughs> and then you just boom, take him out. Uh, and you get all your missiles back. 
but I am compelled like no other to just fucking jam on the B button like a madman. I assume you don't feel the same way. No. Um, On regular enemies, I do feel that, like, need to not shoot missiles at them because it feels like a waste. Mm -hmm. But on bosses, it's all missiles all the time, baby. (laughs) Uh, Because I always feel like the lasers don't do anything and there isn't really a good indicator whether or not that's the case. Really, how much damage you're doing. If you're actually doing damage to them or not. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, like... So on bosses, I, I I don't feel that, but in regular gameplay, I, I guess I do a little bit. <laughs> uh, that's fair. I think my overall takeaway, though, from this is that they probably should stop making that a mechanic where you can mash because it is just probably impossible for some people to even do. Yeah, it felt more like a thing that made sense like in fusion Mm -hmm. because there wasn't much else you could do (laughs) you just kind of have to like stand in the corner and just unload a million missiles into ridley's face right um but yeah and this one does feel a little bit weird Mm -hmm. when you have all these yeah you have like all these abilities it feels like and you're just firing missiles (laughs) it's it's very odd especially like this, to me, this feels like second half conversation that I want to have, mm-hmm. but you get a lot of abilities in a kind of, in my opinion, a little bit of a weird order in this game, mm-hmm. uh, in a way that's cool, I think. Um, but you get Screw Attack, like, it is still very late in the game, but it's like, sure is a lot earlier than I think you would normally get it. Uh, it's usually like the last ability that you unlock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... There are a lot of times where I would just jump into a guy by the end of the game. So I'm not even using missile resources there, mm-hmm. nor am I firing missiles or firing raz- regular laser beams at a million miles an hour. Yeah, I think it depends on how much like uh, exploring you do, like sure, in yeah. between progression. Because um, I didn't really feel like I did a lot of that until I went back at the end of the game to like get shit that I missed. Yeah, and you're just yeah, you're just like jumping into everything. <laughs> you're like, who needs to shoot anymore? Mm-hmm. Literally, just flying death, and and that was that's the case in every Metroid game. Like it, Screw Attack still felt powerful in this game, even though you get it earlier than you normally would. Mm-hmm. Well, do you want to take a break? And I'll try again because I know you like the thing. Hold on. Uh. <laughs> uh. Well. uh, maybe we could talk about the order in which you get the screw attack and other upgrades after After the break break. alright welcome back So I talked about sort of like order of upgrades and stuff before, but Mm -hmm. what I really want to talk about, I think, is like progression, Uh, because with the more debatably more linear style of Mm -hmm. Metroid Dread in comparison to other Metroidvanias, uh, you never really feel like, or at least to me, Mm -hmm. you never really felt like you became significantly more powerful because everything keeps ramping up 
because they have more of a prediction of where you're going to be at any given time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so nothing ever felt like, in particular, the laser upgrades. Beyond wide beam, the one that lets you fire three shots, nothing felt like, oh, now I'm fucking just roasting these fools. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> and it, like it's it's really just like screw attack and speed booster were the big ones for me. Uh, and outside of those, like, nothing really felt like it, it enhanced my, like, combat capabilities, which is sort of more what the game is focused on than in previous games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was more, like, for me, at least, it felt like there was, like, a line where it's, like, up till a certain point, I had felt a little bit underpowered, and then I don't remember what the upgrade was, but mm-hmm. then once I crossed it, it felt like I was a little overpowered. It's just, like, the scale was tilted this way. And then it tilted that way. Right. Um, but no, I feel like there was a, one of the missile upgrades let you hit things that were like electric enemies. Yeah. And then there were like the ice beams. Or I mean, not the ice beam, but the, uh, the ice missiles felt significant, I think. But Yeah, the uh, storm missiles are the ones that yeah. let you, you get through defenses and stuff. Um, I didn't necessarily feel the same way about it, but also I... It's been a while since my first playthrough. Yeah, I think there were, like, these enemies that were, like, these little sentry robot guys. Yeah. Like, these, like, warrior robots. And, like, the first one I ran into, I felt like he, like, destroyed me a few times before I figured out how to beat him. And then there's a part where you had to fight two of them. Mm-hmm. And it just, like, that was where the change happened was in between those. It's just, like, that felt really impossible to fight one and then you could just, like, d- destroy two of them. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe it was the burst missiles. Those just, Those, yeah, the storm missiles are... Yeah, the, yeah, storm missiles, The ones yeah. that, like, lock on. Yeah, that's probably what it was. Yeah. I used those significantly less in my second playthrough, but, man, in my first playthrough, I was storm missiling fucking everything. I don't know why, it just felt really good to just kind of, like, do a set and forget with them. Yeah, exactly. That's the appeal, is you can just know that that's gonna kill them and, like, stop thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh... And I used them in, like, a a pretty limited capacity on bosses in my second playthrough. But in my first playthrough, it was, like, that was just how I damaged bosses a lot Yeah, it was, like, once I got it, it was just kind of how I used the missiles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's weird that way. Because uh, I'm honestly, once again, you mentioned there was a, uh, there's no clear way to tell exactly how much damage you're doing with any given attack. And so I don't know if the storm missiles were doing more damage yeah like i'm sure the enemies have some kind of damage effect mm-hmm. applied to them but it's it's hard for me to remember like i feel like it would be nice if there was like more of like a classic enemies flash red or something so you know you did damage yeah yeah i mean because uh well uh, Fike ravenbeak mm-hmm. has in his first phase at least there are parts of it where you i don't think are doing damage i think he'll like turn red and anything you hit him with doesn't actually deal damage and you're just like waiting for the vulnerable opportunity Mm -hmm. uh where you do like a parry on him but i wasn't sure yeah i just kept shooting him with those missiles just constantly firing those missiles (laughs) 
and yeah, I think it would have benefited from being more clear. Mm-hmm. The sound cue is the thing that made me think that. Because mm-hmm. like before you would get like a punchier sound effect and then during that phase. But I didn't know if I was just doing less damage. Yeah, yeah, you never was. know. Yeah, and that was like my thing with the lasers. Like I just kind of stopped ever shooting them at bosses because mm-hmm. I just assumed they didn't do damage. Right. Yeah, it's an interesting sort of like push and yeah, pull. Yeah, it would be nice to know if they did or not. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I will say the uh, the the those guys. The I guess they're Machin warriors or something. Yeah, were they not robotic? I thought I remembered them being robotic. When you kill them, they kind of like double back, and then mm. they like beep, 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 so that does mm. make them seem like robots to me. Uh, so they probably are robots. Uh, but those guys, uh, yeah, I remember the first time. I fought one. It did, of course, beat the living shit yeah, out of me. Yeah, I ended up cheesing it to beat it. Like, there was, like, a platform, and I would just, like, jump up on the platform, like, charging a charge shot, and mm-hmm. then jump down. Then he'd jump down, and I'd hit him, and then jump, jump over him, and then go back around the platform. And that, like, made it, like, s- stick in the back of my head. It's just, like, there might have to fight one of those in an arena that doesn't have a platform. <laughs> yeah. Uh well, <laughs> the hardest one of those fights is the one that's in, uh, speaking of things I'm not going to remember the name of, I think it's called Gavorin, is the, the the green area, the one that's like a jungle. The underground forest. Yeah. That one has... Uh, like a gold one? Yeah, it's a really small arena. Like, you don't have a lot mm-hmm. of room to move. Um, and yeah, the first the first one I fought, I beat by, like, kiting it. And it was the, the second time through, I knew that... Shine Spark did a bazillion damage. And so, and it, you actually have a run up to, to charge it before going into that one. Uh, so you're able to hit him once and then it, the fight becomes a lot easier. Um, but not everyone's going to know that. In fact, I would argue that most people won't know that. I sure as fuck didn't mm-hmm. at all. Uh, so they, it is like, <laughs> they, they, those guys just are hard. And that two fight was like, one of those things where I was like, is this even possible to do as when I played it the first time? And then the second time was like, I can jump on them mm-hmm. with, with the, with the, the screw attack. And that just deals most of the damage that I needed to. So it is like, there's like a knowledge barrier to a lot of the stuff. Yep. Almost more so than it is like a power level barrier. Yeah, I feel like that's just the way that this genre is, or at least the way it always kind of came up to me, because, like, as somebody who didn't play any Metroidvanias, like, growing up, mm-hmm. coming to the genre found felt, like, pretty, like, alienating. Sure. Like, very hard to get into, because I think especially, like, the indie games that take inspiration, like, use a lot of the same, like, similar ways of hiding secrets and a lot of similar, like, design language that it doesn't explain to you. Right. Um, but yeah, like now, once you get into it, yeah, it's like not really that bad. It's just like, yeah, there's a lot of different like specific like tropes and things that you have to learn. Like um, the, you mentioned the shine spark. Yeah. And that's one, like I love the idea that it's like the secrets mechanic. Um, like a lot of the, um, the abilities or like a lot of the, things that you can get with it are just like secret upgrades right uh there's usually like some kind of puzzle like how do i get here with it charged up yeah um but i i i feel like it's like 
too clunky to control. Maybe sure. I'm like a, a new baby. It takes a really long time to get used but yeah, to. There them. was like, I only got one of those. I only solved one of those puzzles, and it was probably the easiest one, which is in like <laughs> the first area, like up at the top left, to like charge through and like roll into a ball and like break a thing and then go continue through and like boost up into a thing. Is it the area that is like above the part where everything cr- like crumbles and falls down after you activate the the lava really like earlier in the game, but then you can't actually do the puzzle until late? Probably. Okay. I don't remember. Because that is like the second hardest oh, no, one, it's at that, least in my opinion. It's not that one then. Okay. It's just like a, a hallway where there's like a long lead up of course. Yeah. And then there's like a little area where there's like a like a gap where yeah. you have to like boost into it and like set off some bombs and then there's like a, a like a pressure plate uh-huh um that you have to use your zip ability to go across and then you go over a little bit and then there's just like three blocks and you boost up into it that's the one. Oh, is it i thought that one was incredibly hard uh, like uh, from what i found online it seemed like it was supposed to be one of the easier ones mm-hmm. and i took me like probably like 30 tries to do it <laughs> okay but maybe less I don't know. I thought that one was really hard. Okay. Uh, well, I feel a little bit to, better now. Yeah, you have a really short time frame because, like, the amount of time that you can run with the shine spark before it goes away is like only a few seconds, mm-hmm. and you have to do a bunch of stuff like setting the cross bombs, and uh, I think you have to pull a, a, a grapple beam block out of the way. There, mm-hmm. uh, that might be a do. I think that's, nah, you have to no do grapple that block. first. And then there's an area. That there are some enemies, to. though, that pop up out of the ground that can hit you and you can lose the thing. Yeah, the run. So that is, to me, that one I thought was really hard just because of how little time you had to do all the stuff you had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other ones that are definitely harder from like an execution standpoint. One of my favorite ones is there's a, a Missile 10 pack in, I don't remember the area, but it's like right off of um, one of the the tram like load zones mm-hmm. and you like run in and then you you have to just keep the speed like you don't shine spark you just run with speed booster and then you just have to like wall jump like back and forth up a, a like a thing mm-hmm. like a big chasm and then uh, you bust in at, at the top of it. And I mean, there are places that you probably could store in Shine Spark, but it it just feels really fluid to just like wall jump through stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I loved, that. I thought that was great. And when I played through for a hundred percent completion, I remember being like, some of these Shine Spark puzzles are just so fucking ridiculous. There's no way that I would do these again. And then when I played through it again, I would just do them because mm-hmm. like it always felt like it was something I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I was like, I gotta get this like fucking adrenaline rush of trying to do this one thing very well yeah uh it just it seems like a mechanic that you have to put forth a lot of effort to like master yeah and if you you're not willing to it seems like it's kind of dumb and if you're one of the people that does it seems like the kind of thing that you wear as a badge of honor and you're like no the shine spark's great sure (laughs) (laughs) It, it feels like a very divisive thing to me i don't know if that's the case um, but I, I just get that impression. Yeah. As a, uh, a note, just to like close it out. Cause I, I do, I love the shine spark because it is like a very satisfying movement. Yeah. Mechanic. I like it on the, on the, on paper. Yeah. 
Uh, but traditionally, and I actually don't remember if Shine Spark was like this in earlier Metroid games. Um, in this game, they tell you how to do it and its mechanics when you unlock the speed booster. It's like, when you're in super speed, press the down button. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, store a charge and then do a thing. And I think the game actually requires you to Shine Spark at least, like, a couple of times. Yeah, like, right after you get it, you have to do it to, like, burst through a ceiling or something. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, because you can't just run through it. You have to actually stop and shoot up. Yeah. Um, I think that, because it, some of the other mechanics that, that Metroid doesn't tell the player about, and it's just tradition at this point, are things like bomb jumping and wall jumping. Uh, and this game might even t- tell you about bomb jumping. But... I don't think it does. Because, like, I remember, like, because I know you can do that. Um, yeah. I'm not the greatest at it, but I know it's a thing. Um, and I remember doing it in a spot where I felt like I wouldn't have been able to get up to a ledge otherwise. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember the game like having like told me and like I was like, oh, I'm so surprised that that worked because right. it doesn't feel like a thing that I'm supposed to be able to do right now. Yeah, I think this game would have benefited a lot from telling the player that they could wall jump because playing this game, not doing it, feels way more like stiff and stubborn yeah i i feel like because i know like that was like a hidden thing in super metroid Mm -hmm. that you could wall jump but like nobody knew uh or a lot of people would play and not know but um i feel like in this one it just kind of happens though like i feel like it's it's like uh like tuned in such a way that you'll just do it right I still think it requires at least some knowledge. I mean, I guess potentially... Like just, of other video games? Yeah, like maybe just general video game knowledge would be enough to get and you I say, there. Yeah, because I didn't even think about it. Yeah. But yeah, there are areas, like the very first area of the game, I think, is is an interesting one. Because when you go through, it's like right after the parry tutorial, there's like a set of like switchback things. Which, I don't know, I'm not... The, maybe I think... Maybe I'm giving the game too much credit, but I think that Metroidvania level design is a bit too big brain for me to critique on a level that is like... Like on the spot anyway, yeah. Yeah, like it's hard to imagine sort of like all the different elements that go into it, but one of the like classic Metroid tropes is that you end up in a big shaft. Like there would just be a big shaft that you have to climb up and there will be some enemies in it. And it's, like, a way to traverse an area. Um, and this game doesn't have a lot of them. It has a ton of, of uh, like, wider horizontal areas. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, like, when you look at the original, or the, not the original, when you look at one of the first areas of the game, uh, you end up in this area where there's all these, like, little ledges with some enemies on them or whatever. And the intent, the intended path big scare quotes is to like jump up here and then run and slide under this thing and then jump up onto the next ledge and then fight an enemy and then jump onto this ledge and over here but you can also just wall jump three times and you're at the top and it feels like it's designed to make you do it because it's such a shorter path Mm -hmm. and it to me is like they should have just put a tutorial in like press a in the opposite direction to wall jump so that people just knew how to do it and they could have more fun with the game. 
<laughs> but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's too complicated. It can't be more complicated yeah. than half the shit they ask you to do I don't for know. real, though. Yeah, maybe they just wanted it to be like a thing that you just found out on your own or like a thing that for you to feel rewarded if you knew how to do it. Sure. And I did. So I guess that works. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's a thing in this game, something. Uh-huh. That we haven't talked about yet that seems important. Uh, is it is it the EMMIs? No, that wasn't it. I think it was bugs. No, it was <laughs> it was this. Uh- <laughs> or Emmy for short. Mhm. What, how, the Emmys are, like, the marketing poster child of Metroid Dread. Yeah. I think I have a fucking little a- statue of there. Yeah. yeah. What, what, how do you feel about the Emmys? Uh, I like them. I actually do think they do inspire a lot of dread in you, especially early on, um, because it really does kind of feel like a nice cross between a robot and an animal. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it it feels dangerous and a bit scary. Um, like, a, like a cold killing machine for killing, because that's what it is. <laughs> um, but um, I, I think there's probably a few too many. Um, like, there's I think there's seven of them. Mm-hmm. And I think by the time you've done, like, half, or maybe, I don't know, maybe they took, like, two of them out. It might feel a little bit better. But like once it just kind of starts to feel routine. It's like, oh, here's the area with the robot. Uh, you know, I don't know. It, it stops like, in the beginning. I think it's really effective in like unnerving you and making you like, oh, oh I don't want to have to go through here. <laughs> it makes the game live up to its name, I think. Uh, but then once you've done it a few times, like it kind of loses that that bite. Yeah, uh, that would be my like only criticism. And the one with the ice beam was really annoying. That's true. Especially... They feel really satisfying to kill, like once you get the super laser thing. Yeah. Um, and you blast it in the face and kill it. It feels pretty good. <laughs> I, uh... To sort of, like, mash up a little bit of what I was talking about before with this, uh, kind of quickly, the level design in this game, I think, if if IGN has ever been correct about anything, they were correct about... <laughs> It's such a hard take. I'm too sure much been, water. Yeah, there's too much water in Metroid Dread. They had the wrong game. They were right criticism now. Metroid Dread uses water as its like primary way of gating movement, uh, and I don't know. I mean, I, is that not a Metroid thing though? I mean, a lot of times it's, it's like, like gravity lava. suit and stuff. Yeah, but I feel like there's just more of it here. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't have the perspective. Yeah. So. I could be wrong about this. Like, somebody can fucking figure out the cubic meters of water Mm -hmm. that are in this game versus other Metroid games. But it just felt like I was underwater a lot here. And the Ice Beam Emmy in the water was... mm, Very annoying. Yeah. And it made me think on the second playthrough of what my complaints with the Emmys are. But I want to get through some positives first because there are some things about these that I think are great. Um... One, their design. You mentioned that they feel like a weird combination of, like, animal, vegetable, mineral, man. They feel like an animal and a machine. Uh Uh-huh. And they... 
emphasize this like it's the movement mm-hmm. it's the sound they make sounds like it's like they're like echo locating and stuff yeah it's fucking creepy in a way that is yeah. fantastic yeah and the way they can contort too like mm-hmm. the, like it, it's in like the first cutscene. it like wraps itself around to chase you or whatever um it it just feels like it, it makes you like think about how this is like designed to kill things yeah it's like super efficient at like maneuvering around and getting you <laughs> in the live action adaptation of metro dread these would definitely be played by doug jones mm-hmm. uh just to further alienate our audience with well, jokes that aren't for them you use the word alienate and mm-hmm. they they did almost kind of feel like something that would be in like an alien movie mm-hmm. like there's something about the way that they like stalk around um that just I don't know. It just kind of feels imposing. Like it, it kind of harkens back to those uh, alien inspiration, like roots, yeah, of the series. Well, yeah, because you think alien, like even if you look at at um, something like Alien Isolation, which is like the modern, the most modern vision of alien being like put into a video game context. They kind of behave a little similarly, where it's a lot of them going through vents that you don't have access to. Um, so they are using the environment to their advantage in a way that you aren't able to, uh, which gives them this extra level of menace. Uh, I think everything together, I think it's a really successful concept. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also agree with you. I think that the perfunctory Emmy segment becomes routine. Yeah. As you go through it, it lessens the fear when you know it's coming. Um, and you just always know it's coming and the Emmy areas seem to get bigger and bigger. It's like once you get more abilities, like you really do feel pretty helpless in the beginning when Mm -hmm. you had to go up against them. But yeah, like once you get like, oh, so far through, it's just like, uh, it's like an annoyance. (laughs) Yeah. It's something you just have to get through before you can move on to do the thing that you actually are like, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, supposed to do. Uh, they're all obviously required steps on your path out, but right. it is a, uh, it, it's one that you know is there. And so it just becomes less exciting over time. Um, here's, here's one of my, this is a little bit of a good and bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the parry you mentioned makes a lot of the game or could make a lot of the game feel too easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they do a pretty good job of avoiding it by either making it just like not even worth it to go for uh, which honestly is the best case scenario. Mm-hmm. Like if you have an overpowered mechanic and the player sometimes just goes, I don't need to do that. Yeah. It's probably balanced. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They truly mastered the art of holding the anticipation of the hit <laughs> just long enough that you fuck it up. Yeah. And the Emmys are incredibly difficult to parry um, because the timing is randomized. Yeah. So you can never learn it. Um, and this brings me to my first thing that i wish they would change and i think it would be easy to do the time that the emmy is stunned should be like two maybe three times as long as it is because you just did something insane that is like hard to do and the game doesn't expect you to do it uh and also your punishment for failure is not really that bad you just go to wherever you entered the emmy Mm -hmm. room before when you fail so you feel elated, and it is almost kind of unearned, but then when you go, like, 13 steps, and then the Emmy's just on top of you again, 
it feels bad. Mm-hmm. It feels like, why am I greatest warrior of all time who was able to execute on this tiny periwindow now being forced to do it again <laughs> because I didn't know where the door was. Yeah, no, no I agree 100%. Uh, oh, yeah, and then my second thing But you thing should is, definitely be rewarded for that, and you aren't. You just aren't, yeah. I mean, I imagine maybe if you did it while you had the beam... It's probably there to make it so that that doesn't just trivialize that part. I guess. But, I don't know. I pretty much never even entered a parry scenario. Or when I did, I almost definitely lost it uh, during those segments. Yeah, I I probably did it maybe like six times ever. Mm -hmm. That's probably too high. Like four times. Yeah, it's it was pretty, l- and I flew through the game twice. So like maybe I cracked into double digits, but who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a roll of the dice. Yeah, every time it would be so it would it would feel a lot better if if it was more of a reward for yeah. pulling it off. No, totally agree. Uh, and then my other thing is I wish that they felt a little bit less like AI, not in flavor, but the fact that like when you leave and re-enter an Emmy area. It's like they put a red thing on the door. They're like, oh, I can't come in here yet. Hmm. And it's just like they're sort of giving it plausible deniability why the Emmy would suddenly be right where you are again. I wish that there was more. You could play more of a cat and mouse game with it where like maybe you could try leading it into an area Hmm. and then like go invisible and and turn back and like, oh, now it's explained. Now you've bought time to get out in Mm -hmm. a different way. Uh, it felt to me a lot, a, a little bit too much like the game just knows where I am and is sending that me to come after me. Yeah. Otherwise, this wouldn't be tense. Yeah. I, I mean, it does feel intentional, though. Yeah. Like, like it, it is able to kind of tell where you are at all times. Mm-hmm. At least, like, to some degree. Yeah, it's just sort of a... I don't know. It felt like... My problem with the Emmys is it felt like I wasn't being... This is just a my ego thing. Uh-huh. I wasn't being rewarded for doing things that I thought were clever or smart. Right. Or in the case of the Perrys, like, God Gamer. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they weren't properly... Pro Gamer. Yeah, they weren't properly pampering me for being <laughs> such a God Gamer. Uh <laughs> But yeah, other than that, I think they're really good. I like that they tied upgrades to them because it, yeah. it makes the flow of the upgrades feel like it is this never-ending stream. Uh, and I, I liked the segments where you actually had to like pop off their head armor yeah. and blow them up. Like it feels good and it's interesting, and it also gives you a little bit of practice for the the end sequence of the game. Yeah. And it's cool. Like to shift the perspective, um, and like have, like see it coming at you, like down this long hallway and as you fire at its face. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like the presentation of it is good. Yeah. It's got that over the shoulder of the camera, like horror masterpiece, resident evil (laughs) four. Of course. (laughs) Um, so what do you think about um, the planet, whatever it's called in this game, uh, like the aesthetic design of the world? You know pretty well, I would say at this point, uh-huh. that I'm not a big fan of what I always describe as like the Super Nintendo 
we've got a dinosaur zone and a ice zone sort of like just hodgepodge of biomes mm-hmm. i like design idea and like i attribute it to the snes era because that's where i became familiar with it but it is just that's just video game design uh-huh. like a lot of games do this uh and to think that it's dead is a is not true mm-hmm. uh similarly to how i feel about both the prime series or at least prime one and fusion i think this game does it pretty well uh it feels strange to me to go into like the little like the stronghold zone like where you fight the two warrior guys Mm -hmm. where everything is very like man-made and going from that into these like very wild areas there's like a, a difference there and i think they're obvious like there's reasons for them um and i don't know it's not my favorite of the of the metroid planets uh probably the one from prime would be mm-hmm. uh but this is like it does it better than i would have assumed that it would but i also just don't like having a really clear divide between biomes it it feels unnatural and weird to me yeah i thought it it felt a little bit bland mm-hmm. personally um and i think part of it's like pitfalls of like doing a 2.5d style like a side scrolly game in 3d and um and uh like i don't know like indie games do this too a lot it's just like there's a lot of like square rooms like everything feels a little bit homogenous yeah to me like you're in like the underground forest it even calls it out like adam even calls it that um and you're like oh cool underground forest that sounds awesome and then it's just a lot of square rooms <laughs> um but uh yeah i don't know I, I think it stood out a little bit to me in this just because it's like a big budget nintendo game mm-hmm. um, like i think the game looks nice like yeah. it's it, it's polished for what it is I just would have liked to see them like push the envelope a little further, and because like I don't know, and like you were calling out like uh like you have like tropes of level design and stuff, and it's like this just kind of ticked all the Metroid boxes. You just got like lava area, uh you know like foliage area, underwater area. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually thought that the the like the civilization up towards the top that was like this opulent like uh buildings and stuff felt different. Yeah, there's one room that stands out in my mind that just had a hologram of a gun. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "That's weird." Yeah, it's weird. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and I agree. Like, I I kind of wish they weren't like the biomes were just connected by elevators, and like mm-hmm. maybe they like tried to blend a couple of them together. Um, but yeah, like overall, like I yeah, like I think for what it is, like it's it it looks pretty good, um, and I appreciate that the game runs it. 60 fps and never slows down or loses resolution right that's always good um but uh yeah i just wish they would have like uh gone a little bit more out of their way to make it like look a little cooler yeah a little bit more natural yeah a little bit a little bit more variety a little bit more natural yeah there's a a couple of things there i want to touch on um one of the things that i i do like uh just to like put a little bow on it and say like this part i think is good mm-hmm. pads uh, for patrick <laughs> just to do the pads for patrick segment that mm-hmm. we do every week um i love the usage of 
like lava and cold zones in Metroid games because they are they feel like more natural ways to gate progression in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially the fact that like it isn't a fucking wall. Like if you have enough health, sometimes you can run through lava to get an item and then come back and survive it. Uh, and that kind of, I think that play pattern is really smart for a game like this because you, you have a, there's like a risk reward. You're like, oh, can I make it? And then like, you have a little heart pounding moment where you're like rolling through a little tunnel under the lava and watching your health tick down. You're like, uh, oh my God, I get there. And it, uh, it feels good. It feels good to do that. I also really like the way that they do it in this game where the zones, the cold zones anyway, actually shift and change um, due to like other things happening in the environment. Uh, I just think that's really cool. And it gave them, it gave them more opportunities in design to push the player into different zones uh, without just explicitly putting up walls. Uh, Though it does, they freeze the doors, but like we're Mm going to ignore that for now. Uh, really for no reason. Let's not ignore it. They freeze <laughs> the doors. They could have done it better. They could have done something else or just not done it and let the player just kind of get lost of it. Uh, not a huge complaint, just one that definitely should exist. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do. I like that stuff uh, generally, though. I, I, I like the, the fact that they shifted where danger zones were uh, and made the gating feel a little bit less gamey, I guess. Mm-hmm. Now, I agree that's, like, a, a great thing to call out, um, th- the way that those specifically interplay. Because, like, I, there was this one room I remember coming to. It was, like, some plat- platform here, platform here, like, filled with water, and then, like, water down here at the bottom, too. Mm-hmm. And, like, I remember coming back through that area later, and it's all frozen. Yeah. Like, there's just, like, a, something about that. It's, like, stu- that room stood out in my mind. And then coming back to it and it being like different and then being able to traverse it differently because it's frozen. Right. Is cool. Yeah. So like any aspiring Metroidvania developers out there, like that's a, that might be a cool thing to think about is like different parts of the world, like affecting the other parts in noticeable ways like that. Yeah. It's just a way to play with the geometry. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. And also, I wouldn't have thought of this if uh, you hadn't mentioned that. A room that in particular stands out to me, and it's actually two zones, uh, are the areas that are dark before you turn the lights on, mm-hmm. that have the robot enemies in them that don't turn on until you turn the power back on. So you have, like, that felt like a unique thing to me. Um like, there's a lot of robotic stuff uh, throughout the game. So, like, I complained a bit about the biomes feeling really separate. But there is this overarching, like, industrial feel to mm-hmm. a lot of the planet. Because there's a lot of, of stuff that's... Me- the Emmy zones are, like, purely metal, like, fucking areas. Yeah, the they almost areas. feel like they're, like, pocket dimensions. Because <laughs> of the doors you go through are, like, weird square... Or, like, cube-filled force field things. Yeah, they feel like you're at a Tron. Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah, it's like a hard I mean, like, light construct. Like, yeah, it looks cool, <laughs> but I don't know exactly what they were going for. I guess it's like a force field. Yeah, my guess, this is a complete guess. It, it might be explained in the game, and I just don't remember, but... Yeah, what my guess is that they, like, shoot the... Because the Emmys are research robots. Mm-hmm. I assume they just, like, shoot, bu- like, like, little bullets of shit... 
into the planet from a space station. It burrows into the ground and then like expands into the Emmy zone and mm. the Emmy goes around and collects samples. And that's why it looks so pristine inside is because okay. it's like a man-made uh, thing. The propulsion mechanism of a space gun is just sort of <laughs> fan fiction that I'm writing. Uh-huh. But I imagine that the... Deploy it from, like, orbit in the atmosphere. You wouldn't... could, but think about the space gun and how cool that is. Like, just a Death Star? Yeah. But, like, a research Death Star. Yeah. It's like, how do we propel it at the planet with enough force not to blow a cra- huge crater? <laughs> uh... But yeah, I don't know. That's 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 my that's my thoughts on the subject. <laughs> <laughs> but also talking aesthetically, though, um, I think a lot of the reason that they did things like the the shoot 'em gun uh, <laughs> with the charge beam that kills the Emmys, mm. uh, as well as like a, just like a few weird set piece things. Uh, where you go into, like, a different perspective for a bit, is to show... Like, this game could function in 16-bit with pixel art. Probably not, because there's a lot of angles in this game that aren't present in Mm -hmm. the older ones, but... uh, Theoretically... You could make it, like, a modern indie pixel art game. Yeah, with square rooms and all of the blocks are, like, clearly labeled and stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they do that stuff because the game... They did put a lot of effort into making all the models look really shiny and good Mm -hmm. uh, in a way that is almost unnecessary for a game like this, but does add, especially with, like, the bosses, because they're fucking big and frightening. uh, And it makes... It gives them a chance to show them off from a different angle. And I think that a lot of that stuff worked really well as far as visuals go. Mm-hmm. Show offs a little bit more of that work that they did. Yeah. It's all animated really well, too. Yeah. I think there's a, an argument to be made that it's not. Let's head, no. Uh, <laughs> get fucked. Get fucked. Uh, no, I agree entirely. The argument that can be made is that um, uh, Samus Returns, the, mm. the Metroid 2 remake, feels like it is a prototype for Metroid Dread in a lot of ways. It does kind of feel like that, especially in retrospect. Yeah. And I think, because a lot of people praise the animation in that game as well, even though it's running on a 3DS and is obviously a less, like, uh, intensive, like graphically intensive game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you still had a lot. Of, like Samus is doing a lot more. Like the leans. This is a he- this is a lean heavy. Uh, She's parkour ready. <laughs> yeah. So she'll like jump off a wall, but then like when you go into the parry animation, she's always like in Leaning an action back. pose. Yeah. Yeah. Like full range of motion. Because it's like it's not just a parry. She's also like dodging out of the way. Yeah. And then, like, getting in position for the shot. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. It's very practiced. (laughs) And it's something that that is over in, like, less than a second. Uh, It's it's a really short animation, and it sells what it does, what what is happening really well. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, like, yeah, this is sort of, like, they're making a 2D game, and most likely it's, I don't know this, I do not know this, I imagine it's cheaper than making Breath of the Wild. And it is probably a Mario game <laughs> as well. Uh, and so they got they have their Nintendo money and the experience of working with the hardware they're working on uh, and really got to polish the shit out of a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's like the, there's as we were talking about earlier, um, Samus can do a lot of things in this game, and yeah, the fact that the animations all like go together, like blend together so well, and make it feel like so smooth to control, I think is is pretty impressive. Mm. It feels like I had a criticism. This is like uselessly bringing uh, criticism of me into existence. People will now make fun of me. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember watching a trailer for um, the Spider-Man game, the Insomniac Spider-Man game, uh, before it came out, like the first one. And people being like, look at the fucking animation of Spider-Man, like doing all this you know spider-man, Spider-Man stuff, stuff. <laughs> he like jumps around and lands on a guy and shoots webs and stuff and i was mm-hmm. like pulls the guy with webs and yeah all the good things <laughs> and i remember thinking and maybe saying aloud at the time but like you know that you're just going to be like pressing two three buttons to do all that stuff mm-hmm. like it's going to be hit triangle a bunch of times yeah it's uh what were those called in kingdom hearts action commands reaction commands. reaction commands yeah Recolon action like, commands. Slightly different than a quick time event. Yeah. And I was like, and I hate that. Like, I want to have, I want, like, I love the fluid animation. I, I like a bit of visual eye candy. I think everybody does. Um, in Samus, not in Samus Returns, well, yes, in Samus Returns, but in Metro Dread, uh, you fucking are doing all this shit. Like, yeah, the jump flip animation of you uh, dodging out of the way of an attack when you parry something is a canned animation. But, like, when you see somebody, like, wall jump off something going Mach 3 because they're in the the animation of the, the speed booster, uh, they have to execute on that. Mm-hmm. And it feels really good when you get it right and appropriately clunky when you're fucking around and missing stuff. Mm-hmm. So the animation does a great job of selling the thing the player is doing. And I think it's a really great meshing of, like, mechanical implementation along with the animation where Samus does look like kind of adult when you like walk into a wall because you didn't see it or whatever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, to be fair, they do have those little segments in boss fights where it activates like a little scene where you just hammer a button, but yeah. And those are, they're done pretty well. Yeah, I, they look good. Yeah, I mean, sure. you're already unloading a bunch of missiles into their face. It's so. really not different from yeah. before. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great if, mean, the grab yeah. anim- if the grab scenes were just like Sam is standing stock still and just shooting missiles <laughs> yeah. at them. It's just the boss is just stunned for a full minute and you just fire <laughs> missiles at it. You're like, I love that part where I shot <laughs> missiles. And if mechanically it's the same thing, that's how that's how much people like visual eye candy. Mm-hmm. I rest my case. I don't think I was making a point. <laughs> There's the part at the end where you get like a weird bio suit. What's up with that? That's a good thing that we should probably mention at the end of a podcast. Um, I mean, what? I mean, is, it was cool. It, yeah, it was pretty fucking cool. Uh, it was an interesting way to do the. Here's my thought process. Because they give you the screw attack much earlier in the game, they needed to do something that felt overpowered to give you for the the like ending timed uh, escape sequence. Mm-hmm. The obligatory timed escape sequence? <laughs> yeah. So that to me is sort of like, it felt like the reasoning for why you got a big Metroid suit. Oh, yeah, yeah. And mechanically, I don't need an explanation. <laughs> 
I just I wonder like story wise, like what exactly they're going for with that. Like <laughs> it's weird to me because it just kind of felt like it came out of nowhere. Like it didn't feel like it was foreshadowed really or Well, the so the plot of Metroid Dread is pretty easy to summarize, is that you show up on the planet and meet Ravenbeak, who mm-hmm. doesn't kill you, and his goal is to guide you through the planet and make it so that you aren't dead. Mm, he wants you to get all your powers back, or so whatever. that you can awaken the Metroid DNA inside of you, and then the because Metroids, their whole shtick is that mm. they siphon energy, from right? Stuff. And they're extinct, yeah, in this timeline, yeah, except for Samus. And so Samus sort of becomes... Samus is also part Metroid. Yeah, she got Metroid DNA, Chozo, Chozo DNA, DNA. Human and, DNA. And the whatchamacallit DNA, too. No, the Machin. Yeah. Yeah. She's all full up. Her cup She was topped off <laughs> in this game with even more DNA. Yeah. So after the, the Metroid DNA awakens, and it's like... I think the foreshadowing is when you kill an Emmy, you sort of absorb their power. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I but don't, those are robots, though. They are robots. But then <laughs> there's the sequence you, with yeah. the Machin. Right, you're revealed to be like a clone or something. <laughs> like uh, Raven B calls you his daughter. Yeah. Right after you found a cloning lab with test tube babies in it. Well, I think that's more of a reference to him being one of the, we'll say, donors of your DNA. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think that it, that you're, I could be wrong about this, I think that you were playing as Samus Prime, like Sam, not the Metroid Prime Samus. Right. That's, a, I guess, a bad way to call it. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, the, the Alpha Samus, the first one, mm-hmm. and that you're just sort of like a, basically a rubber glove that they poured a bunch of different chemicals in right. at this point. You have a human base, <laughs> but you are mostly full of other shit. Yes. Uh, and then once you start being able to just like grab shit with your left hand and absorb all of its life force energy, mm-hmm. uh, then that is like they've trained your Metroid DNA to become the like dominant one, and sure. so it takes over the suit. I don't know why killing Ravenbeak specifically uh, that's was a satisfying thing. enough explanation, I guess. Sure, <laughs> if I'm right about any or all of it, yeah, because it does kind of seem like uh, your suit is might even like your regular power suit might have some kind of bio element to it because you always add stuff to it right there's the fusion suit yeah that's actually confirmed in fusion because the metroid there what happened at the end of super i think uh-huh. uh <laughs> your suit gets like fused to you and so in metroid fusion they had to like pry parts of it off but like you were just inside of that suit like permanently Mm -hmm. uh and then it like because the suit the fusion suit and the dread suit while they're styled differently are the same thing Mm -hmm. they just like put armored chunks onto it i guess um and so yeah when you get the additional suit variants and whatever you are just sort of like adding on to what is essentially parts of your body right um why the but it explodes off looks... of you if you die, though, implying that it isn't fused to you. Well, if you had... So imagine skin, right? And then imagine what would happen to you if your skin exploded off of you. 
<laughs> he would die. <laughs> I'm just saying, it, it explodes off of her, and it's just like regular human Samus with skin on the death screen going, ah. Uh, that's why it's in silhouette, because you would be seeing uh, you her see, muscles. You and... definitely see the skin, I remember. <laughs> I don't think that's yeah, true. the fusion one because she's in like the oh, like the sports fusion. bra, totally different game, and the and like the bike shorts or whatever. It's not mm. like the full zero suit, and you definitely like see your skin when you die. It like the the suit goes like it does. Maybe it doesn't fuse until the end of fusion. That's why it's called fusion. Mm. I don't know. I don't know enough about it. Anyway, to, to say it for sure, not to poke holes in that because I also don't know enough to argue about it. Uh, what I want to know is why the Metroid suit looks so fucking metal. For some... Oh, <laughs> it's, it's like, like yeah, the green pointy. Yeah. yeah. It almost like like made me think of something. It feels like it, it felt familiar when I saw it. Mm. Like it looks like something else that I've seen from I don't know where. Mm-hmm. But it, yeah, it's very cool. I. It almost kind of looks like bone. And yeah. also kind of like, you know, like a, like a tough, like almost like like a t-rex like <laughs> scales or whatever I mean, like reptile you know skin or whatever i was imagining it as a big rubber suit from like a 90s oh. action movie uh but only right now not in the game yeah. like during this conversation it, it would like, make a sweet action figure <laughs> i should look and see if they make like a hot toy of it or something that would be a good good call but yeah i don't know you, uh, it's just, you, it's obviously supposed to, like, call back to Metroids, which have, like, the two teeth, mm-hmm. uh, on the, I guess, I don't know if they're really teeth, but, like, the little, yeah. the tusks that are on the bottom of them. Um, so yeah. they're, like, a little spiky, but they're also kind of a blob. Yeah, it's like a jellyfish if it had teeth instead of, uh, <laughs> tentacles or tendrils or whatever jellyfish have. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty gross. I like it. Mm-hmm. Also, Samus's ship still looks like her helmet, and I think it's dumb. <laughs> but now her helmet looks like a Metroid. Yep, she got to get a new ship. <laughs> God, if in the next Metroid game she's just in like a big fucking metal Metroid that flies around, that would be the hokiest shit ever. Uh, do you have anything else to say about the chase sequence? Um, not. Really? I feel like uh, it was maybe balanced a little bit too well to where, like, I just did it in one try, which is good Mm -hmm. because, you know, you don't want to do it multiple times. But it didn't really feel stressful or like I was going to run out of time. Right. But it did feel super gratifying to just blast everything. For sure. I, I... I remember it being stressful in Fusion. Yeah. And it didn't really feel like that in this. Yeah, I, Fusions, I think, is harder, but it's a lot because, like, it's just less readable on a Game Boy Advance screen. Uh, but a yeah, much uh, narrower screen. Yeah. So, I don't know how much that was. I kind of agree. I think it would have been nice if it was a little bit more... At least if it felt imposed. Yeah, that's hard to to quantify, but... Yeah. And also hard to do when you are capable of blasting holes and shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I liked the sequence with the with the big monster. That was cool. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The blast it with uh, the super laser thing. Yeah, but that's about it. I I also don't have too many thoughts. It would have been cooler if it felt a little bit more tense. 
but also they're I, they're trying to accommodate for a wide range of players, and you don't want people to replay it a bunch of times because mm-hmm. it loses that tension. Um, do we have Fresnia thoughts? Ferenia thoughts? <laughs> That's a Metroid noun. Mm-hmm. Uh, my whatever F word we decided on uh, thoughts are... Uh, I like this. Um, it, it, it's it, one of the more satisfying, like mechanical, like gameplay experiences I had um, in a while. Uh, yeah, like Samus is like the like we talked about, like the animations and the way she feels to control is really smooth. Um, and I think they really did tweak the uh, the level design and uh, like the general pacing of it in such a way that it is just really satisfying to play this. I ended up playing through like most of it in like two sittings, uh, and I did not plan to do that. Like it's just one of those games. But once you get into it, you just kind of keep playing it, or at least it was for me. Uh, I imagine it would be for most people who are picking this up. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it just felt it felt really good and fun. It's like it feels like that. Um, like it's just like a really pure, I think, like kind of gameplay experience that you don't get from a ton of games like it it feels like the game's game (laughs) kind of uh, if that makes any sense um i do feel like this lacks a little bit of that like uh that that those uh elements the the spices that make me really love a game Mm -hmm. um so like so i guess it didn't quite stand out to me like um as much in like a presentation kind of way which is my jam but um I like this a lot. It's definitely my favorite 2D Metroid uh, with the asterisk of I have not played Super, um, which I know people like a lot. Um, and I probably I like it a little bit less than Prime, um, but it's up there. It's pretty good. Um, I liked it a lot. And um, yeah, it was nice to play one like another Metroid game after playing other Metroidvanias now that I'm more like into the genre and I know the the ins and outs better. Um, and I found it pretty enjoyable, and it's made me want to, like, maybe replay Fusion sometime and definitely finally get around to playing Super. So, yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I, um, hearing that sort of, like, makes me contextualize my own thoughts a lot more. Um, I feel like I actually played a shocking number of games uh, this past year, or at the very least in the second half of this last year, that I've just genuinely really enjoyed. Um... And Metroid was almost, like, one of the first of this uh, as I was going through it. And I think that a lot of my appreciation for Metroid Dread comes at least a little bit from my experience with the series overall. Um, Metroid is a is a game series that I functionally kind of grew up with. I, I The first one that I ever played, I think, was Zero Mission, um... But I very quickly, like, tried to burn through the rest of the whole catalog uh, after I I played it because I just liked it as much as I did. So, Dread to me, like, when you have a basis, when you compare to a lot of the older games, there are things that you don't like about the older games, and Dread knows this. And so it does stuff to sort of try and, like, remedy those. And... I would have told you, if you explained 
what I said about Dread to me a few years ago. And we're like, yeah, it's like it's a little more streamlined in the exploration part of it, but the combat's really intense and hard. I would probably not... I would want you to reconsider the development of the game and be like, that doesn't feel like a Metroidvania to me. But having played it now, I can't imagine it any other way. And I feel really strongly about how good this game is, uh, especially like to a modern audience and, and like the current day. Um, so yeah, I'm a huge, huge fan of this game. Uh, it is also probably my favorite 2d Metroid. And I will also say it's my favorite 3d Metroid, but I don't like, uh, the 3d games as much as the 2d ones. So that is kind of obvious then. Um, thank you for listening to NoClip this week. What are we doing next time? You decide. D- not you. I challenge you. I <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> so we have we have made a, a decision to try and just get some suggestions from uh, the audience, the people listening, as to what they want to hear us talk about. So. If you're hearing this, and maybe I should have put this at the beginning of the episode, um, go down in the comments and fucking just type in a game. Uh, I think the only thing that would preclude us from doing a suggestion would be, A, it is literally impossible to play for one reason or another. It is mm-hmm. lost media or something. Uh, or if we've just already done it. Yeah, or I guess I would say, like, if it's, like, really long... <laughs> Or really expensive and hard to get. That is fair. One of the things I didn't say in my final thoughts is that this game is like right around the 10 hour mark, Mm -hmm. which I think is through trial and error, my favorite length of a game is about that. Right. I think that's the perfect amount of time. So so if you suggest like Fallout or something that's really long, Mm -hmm. the chances of us doing it definitely go down. If you you choose Xeno Saga. Yeah. Uh, we will probably but not. we will definitely try and do anything that you suggest if it is if we deem it doable yeah and so that'll be next month um, yeah for fan brewery yeah if we d- uh, 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 it's not really important uh so yeah check back then to find out what it is that we uh, we went with until that time, you can get a hold of us and send us cool suggestions uh, on <laughs> NoClipPodcast.com, uh, where you can find our email address, our Twitter account, uh, the YouTube, which has all of our old episodes on it as well, uh, such as Metroid Fusion or Metroid Prime, uh, or I guess more like in the recent era, like we talked about Hollow Knight, we talked uh, Ori. about... Yeah, Ori. Uh, and we will be talking about Momodora next time on, on Pocket, so check that out as well. Um, fucking... Shine, spark that like button. Absorb the energy of the like of the subscribe <laughs> button. Blast the face off of all of the other people in the comments and then shoot them with a mega laser. A mega laser that also contains a game suggestion in it. <laughs> Shine spark into that bell. This has been the No Clip History <laughs> Podcast. For people who don't think that history has enough references to mid-2000s DS games in it. <laughs>